Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is the story, story So Farscape. But what if we do this one really quiet? Okay. What if we have just a nice quiet... Just a Thank nice, you, I appreciate it. Quiet little episode for, for you and me, because you and me were both enjoying a, a, a barbecue last night. I was a little bit tired and emotional. Yeah, that's the euphemism that they use. <laughs> And so... Not anymore, actually. Oh, no? No, no, it's it, because it is now in uh, such common parlance that it is discouraged for use because you might still get sued for slander. Yes. Which it was why it was originally adapted. So that, yeah, that's how you could tell that someone was drunk without being uh, yes. uh, sued for libel or slander. But, beca- or- but because it is so common now, everybody knows what you mean when you say tired and emotional. So okay, so if you weren't tired and emotional yesterday and just really, really tired and really emotional and such a good time, it's been a while, <laughs> yeah. then what are we these days? Um, I don't know. Are Get- we perhaps... Ep- Episode 15 of season two of Farscape. It's called Won't Get Fooled Again. And it is not an episode... Okay, so when you wake up particularly delicate, as we did today, there there are... There are so many episodes that that go down real smooth, like the flax would have gone down real smooth, or one of the quiet, talky ones, or maybe even a a comic one, but... Oh... I mean, this one one was... I mean, it was fairly intense, but it also had a very big comedy factor. Interesting. For the listeners at home, let's inform them via the fantastic synopses that we got from our listeners. So many sent in great synopses. Yes. Uh, what we're we talking about? Like, won't get fooled again. Kevin CV says, Crichton descends into madness in this sweaty fever dream. Look out for beloved characters in fun new outfits. Sorry, that was Stephen. Sorry, yeah, that's Stephen. Yeah. Okay, no, like we said, there's a lot. <laughs> Crichton crashed the Farscape 1 module, leaving him in a coma for the last year and a half, dreaming about aliens. However, after coming around, he starts seeing Darko, and the others amongst his peers. Weirder still, they don't find it a big deal that there's aliens among them. Why? Something wicked this way comes. Thanks to Kevin CV, who didn't apparently quite get the memo about not using character names, but better luck next time. Yes, and Billy Roberts summarizes it as, John finds himself in a bizarre case of deja vu. Is it the ancients, Scorpius, or something else? He must accept help from the least likely of people to get out of there alive. All right, now this one's a bit of inside baseball. Frunium says he wasn't on anything when he wrote this episode. Not sure if anyone believes him. Finally, we find out what the ladies' toilets look like. And someone finds a pair of shoes that does wonders for their cuffs, says Lucy. Shoes? Uh, the red high heels that Grace wears. Oh, I completely missed that. Really? Yes, I completely missed that. Oh, wow. What a, what a spoiler I've just given you for this episode that we've literally just watched. I know. It's... So Frunium is the nickname of Ricky Manning, uh-huh. uh, and he's one of the co-executive producers and the writer of this episode. Oh, fantastic. He goes by yeah. uh, Frunium on, uh, on Twitter. Ah, right. And a, a frequent uh, subscriber of summaries, Wookie, yeah. has, hold on to your high heels, it's going to be a sweaty ride. <laughs> a deja vu-filled acid trip leaves a crewmate doing the time warp again in possibly the most disjointed non-sequitur of this show so far, Scape. Ah, ah. we like that. <laughs> so I like this idea of, like, deja vu and the time warp. Uh-huh. Okay, so... A fair number of science fiction and fantasy properties eventually do the sort of episode like, oh, is it all in my mind? Is it right. all a dream? Am, yes. I just, I'm, am I insane? Like Buffy did it. Everyone does it eventually. Oh, please, let it all be a dream. A very bad, very twisted dream. Star Trek does it frequently. Yeah, no, and Farscape did it twice. Like, going back to Earth and really messing with expectations. And, okay, music first. Prepare 
I want to know the timeline of your hypotheses and in your sort of thoughts okay. through this episode, like when we started off, because we begin. That's, that's what most of my notes are about, so that's... <laughs> Perfection. Because that's the thing, like we can talk about all of the details in here at length. This episode, I think, has been rewatched many, many times, certainly by certain fanfic writers. Oh. When, well, okay. I mean, Dargo and, and does drive Crichton up to essentially make out point. Damn, uh, yeah. Or, you know, finger blast... Finger Blast Bay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because we start off with the launch of the, uh, the Farscape, Farscape one. 1, which in one of my resources, the Uncharted Territories book, yeah. is consistently referred to as the WDP. And like, I was trying to figure out, okay, WDP, and I, I had to go back to the very beginning to figure out, ah, the White Death Pod. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's called it. Yes. You charged my brother's prowler in that White Death Pod of yours. When we had the uh, opening shot of the uh, episode on the TV, I was just looking like, why are we going to watch a space shuttle launch? And then I went, oh, wait, yeah, this is Farscape, yeah. It's a space thing, yeah. Well, yes, it is a space thing. Well done. Uh, okay, so my literally my first note is dream sequence, question mark. Okay, because... It's basically John reliving his uh, last moments on Earth. Uh, yeah. Or actually in orbit of Earth, but... Uh, eh of him launching the Farscape module and encountering the... Electromagnetic wave. Electromagnetic storm anomaly, whatever the f*** they call it. Wave. Some kind of wave. Repeat some kind of wave. So yeah, my first thought is, oh, okay, so this is probably going to open to him having a nightmare or a dream or a uh, what what's going on. And in fact, that is pretty much exactly what happens. But yeah. he doesn't wake up on Moya. He wakes ah, up yeah. in a hospital with his dad. Son, you're in no shape for this. His eye opens. It's, it's like it's a classic shot. Uh, zooming in on opening eye and then zooming out and spinning the camera around. It's really, really well done. And his dad's there. Yes. Jack who, Crichton in his khaki sports jacket. Who promptly gets assaulted. Crichton just doesn't buy it. Nope. He's like immediately going back to the moment, okay, this can't be real. I'm probably being messed with again. Because, yeah, this is so great. This is one of the things I love about Farscape that we take for granted these days after the era of prestige television. But, like, the idea of a, te- of a science fiction program that has a memory. Yes. Of what it did. And not just a big red reset button after every episode. And, like, and character development and such. Uh... Oh, God. We, uh, the boyfriend and I got into Merlin, the young adult fantasy series on the, on the BBC. I've the first couple of episodes of it. And it's so frustrating how you get the sort of same episode every season. Okay, which one is this? Is this the one where one of them is magically enchanted to marry this evil person? Uh, uh, yes, it's another that, one. It's of the, that episode. It's the third time? Oh. And nobody's mentioning the other like, <laughs> five times? That yes. it, okay, so none of that here. Like, he immediately overreacts, and he's, uh, he's strapped down by these orderlies, and he's given a big old injection. I noticed that. That like, what's with the stupidly large syringe? What's the uh, deal with that? People don't like give Haldol with syringes like that. It's... They do one day when they want to have a fun time as Doctor Bettina Fairchild. Yes, played by um, Claudia Black. Thank Very you. good. Yes. Yep. With lovely adventurous hair, well curled. Which we see later on in the episode how they managed to achieve that. <laughs> And I don't is. think I've ever seen hair curlers that big. No, it's like not I ev- don't think they usually make them that not big. Not like- even in, uh, oh, what's the uh, movie called again? Can you tell what which movie I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. No, well, I know. Okay. But <laughs> why did you add a few more clues? This will be a fun game at home. Oh, okay. So it's a Hong Kong movie. Uh-huh. Yep. By 
Oh, uh, come on. You could say it. Like, it's- I, I forgot the name. Of the really? Yes, I can't remember. Oh, my God. I want to say, uh, no. It's, uh, okay, do you know what I need to do? I yeah. need to sort of strap you down and, and submit you to, like, Scarron Heat Torture <laughs> and move it up to, like, Kelvo 6 and Kelvo 10 and then until, until finally, finally the Kung name Fu comes. Hustle by Stephen Thank Chow you. falls that, out yes, of your brain. that's the one. Kung Fu. Oh, now you spoiled it. Because that's what's happening. Yeah. Like, okay, I don't think I've rewatched this episode. In, uh-huh. in fact, as I was preparing for it, I had no memory of what this happened episode. in this episode. Oh, wow. It was, yeah. And, and like, I was tempted to sort of conserve it for myself and not do my preparation. Obviously, I know my role here, so I yeah. took that on the chin. But then watching it with this knowledge of what's going on, because what is in fact going on is John Crichton is being subjected to a form of mental torture that is a standard form of interrogation that the Scarens use. I don't know any Scarens. What would a Scarren want with me? Yes. Not to fool you into believing that you're in the real world and... Uh, but to break your mind. Absolutely devastate you. I'm not sure what they were trying to get from him, but... The fact that Scorpius was interested in John yeah. makes him interesting to the Scarens. Right. And they want to know... Why? Why does Scorpius want you? Okay. And it, I think it would have brilliantly succeeded, except there is a third party there with him. Yes. Oh, hello, Crichton. So he was on a commerce planet and apparently got hoodwinkled or bushwhacked or kidnapped by this Scarron and is now in some sort of nicely lit basement with the oddly shaped windows with direct beams of light streaking through it. It's, it's, it's a cool... Like, it's, it's, they're in yeah. a laser quest arena, basically. Pretty much, yes. Maybe they repurposed the uh, court of the uh, oh, yeah. other episode uh, and just, like, uh, moved, moved a few of the things around. If the stick is lit, you must... Oh, what's it called? <laughs> it's impressive because Scarons are not, like stealthy creatures. Like, you couldn't have a, a Scarron walking through a marketplace no, and, like, not, really. not notice him because he's nine feet tall and this one's dressed like a gimp. Apparently, uh, Dave Elsie finally got his way and got to make the, the costumes for the Scarrons as well. Oh, very nice. That's why he's showing off his nipples and he's got all these... He sort of looked like Namtar a little bit. Yes, I can see what the similarity would come from, yes. Dr. Wasserface. My name is Dr. Bettina Fairchild, not Erin. Bettina releases him after only a little bit of probing and prodding. During which Crichton does that thing that he's done before, which is immediately play along. Yeah. Sorry. I uh, fuzzed out there for a minute. He's uh, subdued and he's brought down. No, no, I was just confused. Yeah, yeah I wow. had a bit of a back on my head. Uh, oh, I had such a weird dream. Like, it's so weird. He just plays along with it. Because that's how he survived before. Yeah, and he's not buying any of it. Not at a single moment in this whole episode does he actually believe that he's back on Earth. Yeah, right. Uh, He gets to walk out and he does a few tests because he's a scientist. During, by the way, a fantastic long shot. When he's walking through this uh, uh-huh. uh, this Navy hospital uh, corridor, yeah. yeah, it's a continuous shot where first he walks into the ladies' room. Won't get fooled again. Yeah. Which didn't exist in uh, a human reaction. No. But I've never been in there. Hence the, uh, we finally get to see the ladies' room in yes. the uh, synopsis. <laughs> hey, you mind? Sorry, I uh, thought it was co-ed. Co-ed? What planet are you from? Not this one. And then he uh, asks, grabs a newspaper, checks the date, uh, sees the shark attack count is up by one from last week. Gator victim number six. Last week it was five. 
getting the details right. Oh, so they must be in Australia still. Yes, I okay. think they are. Apparently, they're launching space shuttles from Australia in, in this universe. Oh, yes. Apparently, they're launching it from a some sort of sports stadium. Because for the longest time, <laughs> I was trying to figure out where they filmed this uh, these outside shots. First, I thought it was just a parking lot, but I guess it was. But finally, towards one of the scenes with Chris uh, outside, and I, I yeah. realized that yeah, it's just, it's a, some sort of stadium that they filmed very it all at. Good. No, very good. This is the Olympic Stadium, in fact. Ah, right. Uh, so, like, the Sydney Olympics, which almost got Farscape, I mean, not cancelled, but that was a significant hurdle in mm. its production, certainly for getting a location for season two. Yeah, and then the Olympics were over, and, well, you know what happens to Olympic uh, Stadia. uh, stadiums. Yeah. Not a lot after they're all Depends. used. Depends. I mean, I, I assume that they can use it for, like... Australian football and other sports. You might be able to play cricket in it, although it might not be big enough for cricket. Apparently it's good enough to put Bialar Crace in red high-heeled slippers and have him deliver really weird American sort of cop show lines. Yes, in a very cheesy manner. You're that John Crichton guy, aren't you? I like your style, hombre, but this is no laughing matter. Although, yeah. again, also beautifully subverted. It's, I love that, but like, when he reads him his rather strange rights, and he goes, like, do you understand these rights? And he goes, no. Then I can't arrest you! Then I can't arrest you! He slams <laughs> the door. Yeah. So, so bizarre. But yeah, this, this bizarre episode is, sort of... Bizarre is a good way to describe this episode. mounts. Yeah. Yes. Because it starts off with this sequence where he, he does these tests, see if he's in the same kind of simulated yeah. reality that he was with the ancients. He apologizes to his dad for assaulting him, and... Geez, I, I suppose the uh, the guy that then shows up is his best buddy from episode one. DK! Yeah, with boring hair now. And a complete dickweed. Yes. Yeah, tossing around words like pilot error. It, yeah. I just like, I to... really did not like him as a character. It's he like, seemed so sympathetic in the first episode. Yes, exactly. They had a much better chemistry, and this was like, he was just like a complete. Yeah. But I guess we only got to see him for like 13 seconds. I suppose so, uh, yeah. In the first episode. And like that was the high of the launch where he might have been super hyper. And the rest of the time, they've been best friends since childhood. But only one of them's the rocket jockey. And that's probably going to leave some uh, resentment yes. on the side of uh, uh, DK, which is probably why he cut his lovely hair. And it's really boring After now. only a week. Just need to know what year it is. Because yeah. for us, it's almost two years at this point. But, and for the actor as well. And for the actor as well. <laughs> but it's that fast. <laughs> But in the, in this reality, it's only a week, at least the reality that he is now uh, is being submitted to by the Scarum. Yes, where he is required to, to save the Farscape program, which IASA... Oh, yes, has got a blown mission. Yes. That's what DK says. Yes. So it's not IASA, it's IASA, the right. International Aeronautic and Space Administration, presumably, yeah. requires a clean bill of mental health. And so he's yes. sent to Dr. Kaminsky, Dr. Gene right. Kaminsky. I'm Dr. Kaminsky. Uh-huh. So this is actually, at this point, I'm uh, sitting there after we see uh, Claudia Black I'm, and uh, Dad, of course. I'm, I'm sitting there wondering, okay, what are they going to do with the, other, yes. uh, with the other characters? And I'm just wondering, okay, are they going to be there? I was hoping to actually see both uh, Gigi Edgeley and uh, Anthony Simcoe without their makeup. Oh, wow. I was kind of hoping that they would have them there as, uh, you know, just like humans. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Humans are superior. Uh, but, the, yeah, they weren't going for the uh, we're trying to fool you thing, so they're, they're not pulling that train. 
But that's yeah. kind of what oh. I was like hoping to happen at that point. But then they went an entirely different direction, as is immediately evidenced in the scene where he goes to see the shrink, where Zahn comes walking in in yes. a smart business suit, which she wears very well, I must say. Oh, yeah. I've seen some tweets by uh, uh, female people on Twitter who went, I never thought I was bisexual until I saw Zahn in a suit. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm flattered somewhat. See, Farscape, I think, for many people was this this moment of awakening. Mm. There's even a little bit of clue because he's in this office where he picks up the, the, the phone and he orders a pizza and he's going, wow, they did really thorough this time. Yes. Uh, he did that even when he saw DK the first time. Oh, you made it this time. <laughs> <laughs> There's blue certificates on the wall behind her, like blue diplomas, just oh. a little bit of a hint. I saw. I, I, I felt. I can see it in the jeeps now, but I felt to pick that up when I was watching it. You uh, don't know that it's a clue, but I'm sure that yeah. some thought went into that. And she, throughout this episode, all the aliens completely downplay his questions because he says, "Oh, you're you're blue. Well, isn't that like, is that a problem for you? Do you have a problem with people of color? Color, color yes. <laughs> I thought that was. Hilarious. But you're an alien. But I do have a green card. <laughs> also, oh, again, oh, oh, very oh, oh, oh. very Americanism, but uh, yeah, exactly. And then later on, Dargo shows up as another hotshot. Oh, well. he has Dargo. Ah, to- uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ladies. You know that guy? Anthony Simcoe must have had such an amazing time just hamming it up. Yeah. He is this, I don't know, super bisexual rocker jockey, I suppose, the new up and coming. The new hotness with his golf shirt and his driving gloves. Oh, yes. Gary Ragel, newest hotshot to come out of Yas astronaut training. Watch your back. He's got ambition. Gary Ragel has tentacles. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what his story is. He seemed to have like multiple different personalities. When they were out at, at, at Finger Blast Cliffs, <laughs> he was a lot more, he was super camp and he had the, I mean, the he, start, he, he almost started off with that as well. I mean, he immediately goes for the girls, but then, what does he say again? <gasps> oh, uh, look. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's a straight boy. A straight boy. That's it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bless so still in the office with uh, Dr. Jean Kaminsky, she mm-hmm. is very interested in his, like, his strange behavior. He calls her Zan, and she goes, hmm. Zan. Adjective or name? Uh, I didn't quite understand that one, but yes. Well, he's trying to figure out what he's calling her when he says Zan to her. Right, And, and yes. he says, you're a pa'u of the 10th level. Your name is Zoto. We yeah. shared unity. Shared unity. Interesting euphemism. No, Mr. Crichton, you and I have never had sex. Yes, completely missing that one. That's an interesting. I guess the uh, Scarron don't know about it, or they don't care because yeah, they're exactly. just trying to. They're just trying to mess with him rather than uh, convince him. Yep, all of this is about breaking him, about utterly devastating his sort of reality matrix, which is achieved when yeah, Dargo gets out and he and, is yes. Hey, DK, how you doing? And 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 oh, Mister There, how you going? Wow, that shot of him stepping out with his tennis shoes and the golf shirt. All these actors had so much fun with this. I can well imagine. Because it's not just, I mean, it's not just fun. It's also work. This is something that David Kemper, so the mm-hmm. executive producer, was originally wanted to write the next Earthbound episode. And then Ricky Manning got to do it. And he was very impressed with what Ricky did. To the point where Ben Browder said he, he saw Ricky Manning walking down a, a car park and literally prostrated himself. Thank you. <laughs> for this script because it's not just being silly. Everyone yeah. can be silly and just wild and have fun with it. Yeah. All of it is terrifying. Yes. 
also because we were possibly in a little bit of a delicate state this morning that it that it hit extra hard but you're never just swept away by the comedy you have a moment of just hilarity and laughter when and Sam then walks it, in. and then it goes back to being terrifying yes yeah it's like a, it's like an acme hammer but it is a fucking hammer mm. he goes to the bar with uh, dargo there is always time for beer and I squealed a little bit when I saw Pilot in the background at first, and I thought it was going to be that, but yeah, they actually so, bring him out. Yeah, so smooth. Mm. Like you have Crichton like committing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tolerate this, I'm gonna make this work for me. And in the background, out of focus, you just pan a little bit, and you see Pilot there, and then you cut to the drummer, and it's not Pilot. No, at first I thought that Pilot was the bartender, but it turns out ah, he. Right. I mean, he is also a drummer. Scorpius is playing the, the the drum kit, but Pilot is playing the congas. Yeah, the the bongos, aren't they? Bongos, congas. Bongos I are. Conga was a dance. Ooh, right. But bongos, are, I think bongos are the specific, like the two little drums that you hold between the knees. I think those are specifically oh, that's bongos. Right. So what's these djembe? I think they're called. I don't know. I thought they were called conga drums, but yeah. yeah. Uh, we should ask Wayne Pygram, who plays Scorpius, because he is a professional drummer of oh. multiple decades. Fair so enough. So it was an easy part for him. Very, very in his element. Wearing different gloves, he doesn't have his regular sort of leatherette. Murder gloves. <laughs> yes. Dr. Bimbina Fairchild shows up, immediately starts making out with Dargo. She gives John a chance first, and then she, like, cowgirls uh, yes. uh, Dargo. It's like, oh, do you know each other? No. Never met. Why? <laughs> Never met. Yeah. And, like, super dismissive of him. Hey, let's get some more beers. Yeah, you go. Yes. And at the bar, there is another Scorpius. Twins. Pity your mother. Yeah, the real one this time. Yes. John, we haven't got much time. He's the one uh, who starts talking to him. John just kind of pretty much dismisses him because he's not caught on to the fact that there's two of them yet. He, he sort of starts to figure it out. Like, you are out of place. Yes. You're not playing a role. You're exactly. talking to me like... The, like so I, he's, I assume he thinks at this point that this is Scorpius trying to mess with him. and You he, are the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Pushes he, him up against the wall. He might be back in the Aurora chair or whatever it is. Like, that's another thought that went through my head at several points during the episode. That he never left the chair? Oh, well, my God. Not necessarily that he never left the chair, but that he might be back in it. Hold on. Sorry. That thought just exploded <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> Wow. Because if we take... No, yeah. what if he never left the Aurora chair? I mean, this is fan fiction right here. What if he never left the Aurora chair this whole time? What if we and had he's all been meantime? making it up. Yeah, and mind the baby. I mean, uh, Vitas yeah. Mortis. Uh, I mean, that's have- not really the thing that the, uh, that the Aurora chair does. I mean, the Aurora chair delves through memories. And it's not really a thing that creates new ones, I would think. Yeah, but what if you can go to 11? Get to 11, we get a TV ministry. Yeah, fair enough. Wow, wow. Okay, well, that's fortunately not the world we live in, but maybe I have a future as a a, 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 a Farscape fan fictioneer. Right. He gets, uh, I don't know, he loses consciousness, he gets knocked out, he crashes out onto the table. Yeah, yeah. No, he just has a atonic seizure, it seems, which we later recognize as the effect of the torture device that Mm. the uh, the Scarron uses, probably setting it up to a higher setting. Yes. He passes out and he has a, in his eye, you see reflected the face of uh, a drummer Scorpius. Yes. And he wakes up on Zahn's couch. Hugging a cushion. Yes. And he says, well, you're neither Zahn nor a psychiatrist, but I need to say some things out loud. And so he monologues, and she's very interested because she had her assistant clear out the rest of her day because (laughs) I have a fun patient. This is going to take a while. And he tries to work through what he's dealing with and hypothesizing. What am I supposed to think? I never left Earth? 
uh, the whole Moya thing is, is, is an illusion, it's, it's a dream. Obviously, there's nothing for him to resolve. He does not have enough information to really understand what's, what's happening. And he's also especially frustrated by, like, the last thing that the real Scorpius said before he left was that you still have your pulse pistol. The Scaron has not disarmed you. You're not yeah. unarmed because those the Scarons don't care about it. Yeah. So you can't shoot him because his skin's He's way too tough. too tough for that. Yeah, he'll kill you before you get to... Uh, you can shoot him enough to damage him. And your only choice is... Oops, commercial break. I have to leave. Yes. Commercial break. Oh, no, I think, sorry. I think that's a later scene, but yes. Uh, Treat you of Mintaka 4. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I have time to tell you that I don't have time to tell you... Yes. ...these two words of information that this, would have solved this everything. This critical bit. Back to a scene with Dad and uh, other scientist dude who are trying to talk him into behaving because the project is about to be axed because Iasa of what was it Iasa 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 has a new at, uh, yes hotshot director and I called Logan. it I was like it's going to be Rigel yes <laughs> you're late Guido you're here. He rolls in on a mechanical wheelchair. He looks great in a suit. He does. It's got, got a sort of overcoat over his shoulders. Big He's- cigar, which immediately gets uh, appropriated by John, <laughs> who then starts <laughs> flicking his own business cards at uh, Rigel. Quit it with the cards. Yeah. <laughs> Quit it with the cards, yes. Okay, Dean so Logan. Doesn't there's mean no any- puns there. No, there's I guess- no, Like Bettina Fairchild, Gene Kaminsky. I mean, if there's puns there, I couldn't find them. No. Uh, I forget what uh, uh, what Dargle was called, like Rhaegar. Gary Ragel. Gary Ragel. Gary Ragel. Gary Ragel. How you doing? My name's Gary Ragel. Or something that you had Jessica was Chiana. There, yes. I, I don't get where they came from. I did learn something in my preparation. Apparently, they made the choice here to have Rigel smoking through his mouth. Oh, yes. Which I read with some confusion. And then I had to go back because apparently, like, you can't really see it in, in the flax yeah. when he's got his little hookah. Yeah. But the suggestion is that he smokes through his ears because, oh, like, any time okay. that he exhales, just before that, you see him moving the sort of nozzle away from his ear rather than his mouth. Oh. As if, and then for this time they decided, oh, he doesn't breathe through his ears. Yeah. Again, okay, it's a mental thing, so it doesn't have, oh, to, yeah, be, it doesn't have to be canonical. Yeah. Anything that happens here can be... Weird. See, another, he's a swamp creature, so he has yeah. his nostrils and eyes really up high. Yeah, you so, can really imagine that when he's like sitting in the water, you can only see his eyes, eyebrows, and nostrils. Exactly. That's great. So then probably his lungs aren't connected to his mouth, like with a dolphin. Right. Like a dolphin doesn't breathe through their mouth. They can't. <clears throat> no, they it's always only through the blowhole. Blow right. The, the mouth is connected to the stomach. Okay. Well. Yeah, okay. But yes, he thinks that he's got them figured out now because what they want is for him to refly the Farscape One mission in two weeks' time, and he's like, "Ah, I guess I'm on. Now, the, I I'm on, now I'm onto you. You want me to like show you what I did and like how I did it?" And I reenact my initial mission. I show you how I create the giant blue twister that sucks me down to Oz. Truth is, I don't know. Forget about it. Don't know how I did it. Yeah, I have no idea what happened. It was just like the uh, the, the freak effects that happened that occurred. This this EM wave was not of his doing, as yep. far as he knows. No, this was brilliant because yeah, he was testing this Logan played by Rigel, who despite his Crichton's erratic behavior, gives him the go ahead for a second attempt, and then he figures out, yeah, okay, so that's what you want. You want to see how it was done. Yes, but. It did not last very long. Like, he has another argument with uh, DK and Dad, who Mm -hmm. are trying to bring him down. Logan even arrived, and this was terrifying. He grabs Logan slash Rigel. Yes. 
Brighton, I wasn't finished with you. Oh, honey, I'm sorry. Let's kiss and make up. <laughs> and swings him around and eventually chucks him off the balcony. Yeah. Oof. Like this beautiful blend of it's played for comedy and it's terrifying. Mm. Because you're sitting there like, what if any aspect of this is real? Exactly. That's exactly what, what I was sitting there wondering for a lot. You've got this tiny little niggling in the back saying yes. like, what, is, what if there's an other sort of effect yeah. and everybody's ma- made to play a role and this is actually, things are actually happening rather than being somewhere in, in some mind fantasy or, yeah. or alternate he, reality. I mean, he, he went through that sort of list on the couch with Zan. This isn't like the ancients. They weren't this precise. And besides, they went through my head already. Maldis. Eh, not talking His style, enough. yeah. Delvians. Well. Delvians, yes, probably Delvians. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, cocky. I, think, I thought he said gothic enough. Oh, I thought that's what I said. Oh, Pardon me. okay, it sounded like you said cocky, but uh, I might have misheard you. <laughs> I try not to say the word cocky because then our transcript and yes. editing program always thinks that cocky is cocky and that's what it thinks my name is. Now. I know, just that. <laughs> a back to the club where yes. uh, they have a new playmate, Jessica, played by Chiana, is uh, being very friendly with Aaron. Oh, they seem to be very good friends. Yes, but she's also quite happy to uh, start coming on to uh, John. You're an astronaut? Oh. <laughs> oh, I like astronauts. Oh, once again, she's wearing pink. She looks good in pink. She does. You look great in pink. It, it contrasts her skin very well, but yes. Brings out your eyes. John is distracted by Scorpius, who mm. says we need to talk. He asks whether the rest can see him, and when they say no... He wants to go on a road trip, and yes. they all get in a car. We were all going on a summer holiday, suicidal. But it was like oh. it, I thought it was like a fantastic scene that, like where everybody's just like sitting, uh, skitting and screaming and laughing. Come on, John, you're driving like a chicken. I got a new theory on life. You want to hear it? Oh yeah, man, lay it on me, lay it on me. Life sucks. <laughs> Nothing matters. Screw it all. Let's party. I am so there. Enjoy it while it lasts, You betcha, especially when nothing's real. Aaron and Chiana are in the back wearing ridiculous sunglasses. Chiana does this fantastic, like, fantastic yell. I really love it. So I was a little bit, like, surprised, confused. Like, I thought they drove on the left side of the road in Australia. See, this is what I mean. I wasn't sure that this was Australia or America or what the deal was Well, I mean, they're filming it in Australia, obviously, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. So so that's why I was kind of surprised. Maybe they specifically put them on the right side of the road not to confuse the American audiences. Oh, interesting. It's always been when they came back, uh, the ancients made him come back. It was Australia as well. So they're not hiding the fact that they're doing it in Australia. I mean, it's all uh, cuckoo bananas. Like... Scorpius arrives on the windshield yes. to remind him, hey, we have more important things. John turns the windshield wipers on. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is no time to be having fun, John. Get lost. And then crashes into an oncoming truck. Yes. Phase two. He wakes up on the same table again. And everything's just a little bit weirder now. Yes, because... So we're probably like on Kelvo 4. Because Aaron is wearing those fantastic hair curlers. These gigantic... They are like soup can sized. Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely incredible. Says that everyone survives. As a doctor, don't you think a crash like that would have killed us? Well, we were very, very lucky. Oh, yeah. And then he has a visitor, and Crichton goes through the list. Okay, who's it going to be? Bialar, Chris? No, 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 it's someone new. Yes, it's his mother. This is a pretty good check, considering you're dead. 
Yeah. Oh, who's supposedly dead? Okay, died you, five years ago. What were you thinking at this point when you saw this? Because apparently, like in season one, there in in some of the scripts, there had originally been references to Crichton having lost his mother, yeah. which at Ben Browder's suggestion was removed. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know the reasoning. Like maybe as a new parent, he didn't really want to deal with that personally, or he didn't feel yeah. it was appropriate or whatever. But here, his mother is introduced, whom we've never heard about. No. So what was that like for you? What were you thinking? Well, at this point, I'm already firmly on the, yeah, this is all, something is going on. Someone is messing with his head. Someone's yeah. trying to get uh, emotionally manipulate him into getting some sort of information. No idea who or what. Scorpius is a very strong candidate at this point. Right. Uh, because he is, of course, in the, there's the two Scorpiuses, and one of them seems to be aware of what's going on, and the other one isn't. Yeah, uh, So I didn't have a particular strong reaction to mom at this point. It was just like very much a like, okay, we're, we're whoever is trying to extract information from is, yeah. is trying a new tactic. So I didn't, And it's uh, a powerful one because she like confronts him with how much he's changed. People change to survive. But did you have to lose so much? Yes. And we've seen it. Yes. Like, certainly over the course of season two, we've seen him going cynical. We noticed it last time where something weird props up and he shoots first. Yeah. And he never would have done that before before the various traumas that he's been subjected to. And he seems to be going for it until she says, you've killed someone. And then he goes, you can't know that. But you have, haven't you? Right. And this, he doesn't resist it. He knows that it's fake. I'm yeah. sure that he knows that it's fake. But... She embraces him, and he wants it so badly. But that causes him to walk out. He goes in with he goes in with the hugging his mom and yeah, yeah, cherishing that little moment that he can have with her until that point. And that when she goes, yeah, you killed someone, and then you can't know that, and he walks out on her. Where are you going? Away from something that isn't my mother. He rejects her. Goes back to the bar. Tries to have another conversation with yeah, Scorpius. With, I think this is where he learns about the the duality. Uh, that uh, the, maybe not. Yes. No, the drummer. Yeah, that's doesn't not, know who he is. Yeah. Let's talk. What about? About what's going on? Well, I'm on my break, my man. Why don't you give me a break, my man? That's all I got for you, man. I don't know you, and I don't care for your problems. Does possibly He's, the best fake American accent in this whole program. <laughs> Speaking of accents, his mother's accent went all over the place. It was a fantastic scene, but I was just oh, like, I wasn't paying English attention to that. Yes. Hmm. But yes, uh, mom, mom shows up again. However, now she is at the end of her life. She's like clearly very ill, yeah. hinting at what occurred to uh, uh, in a, in a his, hospital, his mom. Yeah, hospital gown dragging a, an IV like, drip on a, on a roller. Please be with me when I die this time. And like clearly turning on up the emotional uh, thumbscrews. And Crichton, he he collapses and he screams, this is cruel and don't do this to me because, yeah, this is torture. This is cruel. This is cruel. Please don't. I need you. With me. Don't. Don't do this to me! And what can you do? Like, he's been tortured before. What can you do except scream and beg? Yeah. Interesting look that Scorpius gives him right at the end of that, but... Right. Okay, so that's a really interesting one because uh, drummer Scorpius, yeah, looks over his shoulder at this uh, at this scene. It's, a- it's almost a knowing look. This is kind of a fake-out because drummer Scorpius is just a... He's just a figment. Yes. Uh, so he must just be, oh, that's a weird scene. 
Like what maybe happened he, there, yeah. Maybe he can't even see the illusion of his mother or he internalized mm. it. Because all these characters, again, they do such a great job of completely accepting the weird questions that they're... Yes, uh, that and they're, the fact that they're there as aliens on Earth and nobody questions that and that, yeah. like... This is just what the way the world it's is. It's like the Muppets world. It is a bit, Which yes. is some people happen to be Muppets. But, fair and point, yeah. only racists make a big deal out of it. <laughs> you have a problem with people of colour? <laughs> Back to the Olympic Park. Yes, uh, the, the, the parking lot uh, there where we finally get to see Lani Tupu. Oh, well, if it isn't the good captain. Would I be patrolling a beat if I'd made captain? He does such a good job with these lines. Hey, you're that that Astronaut guy. guy. Yes. And he does not even do his best for an American accent. The the incongruity of these lines is, is fantastic. And then after we get this moment to enjoy him being a weird cop, it, it turns the nasty back oh up again. God. When he just jumps him and starts beating the crap out of him. Just yeah, smacks him, smacks Crace down against the the hood of his car, and donkey punches him in the back of the neck several like, this times. Is yeah, savage. Steals his gun and, and goes back to the office, where uh, a rogues gallery is awaiting him. So we have uh, we have Rigel, Zan, DK, Dad, and Aaron all just sitting around on a table in an office that includes several photos. Including one of them standing in that same office just like they are right now. <laughs> it's like a hot shot or a naked gun right. kind of setup. Although I must say my favourite photo in that gallery was, is definitely uh, Dargo doing a Doctor Strange love on top of the space shuttle. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... That's probably what we're going to put the Patreon toward. Just let it run until we have the 1.2 million Australian dollars required to buy that prop, because that photo needs to be... Oh, wow. I would love that. Right? <laughs> and there's another one of uh, Drummer Scorpy holding what looks like a golden record. Well done. And it gets an actual a little... He actually kisses his fingers and touches it to the photo. I'm, not sure, I'm wondering what that gesture was supposed to mean, what that, I, what that was about. Yeah. Because he doesn't buy it at all. And once again, he is super sweaty. Yes. And he just doesn't want to play anymore. He doesn't try to convince them of the incongruity. Like, just... No. He's almost saying it to them to convince himself, and he draws his gun, and, like, nothing's going to happen. Like, he shoots point-blank, headshot for DK, and only the glass of the portrait behind them shatters. Yes, same with his dad. Shoots him through the chest. Again, more more portraits shatter. It's like he only hits the photos. Headshotting Rigel is just brutal. It is, yeah. Like, we again, happen to know that it's, that it's consequence-free, but he's still... Doing it. Yeah, a very traumatic scene, I would call that. And it's back in the chair. Have you any idea how much trouble you're in? He wakes up in the hospital room again with the two lights shining down on him. In the... Oh, I noticed this for the first time. He's in the same jeans and white tank top outfit that he was in in A Human Reaction when he was put in the oh. in the ISO tank and interviewed. Okay. Except now he's being interviewed by Officer Lani Tupu. Yes, who says, like, four counts of murder, three counts of reckless driving. Uh, that comes to... $29.40. You can pay cash or credit. <laughs> and he's holding a dog. Whom he calls Toto. Oh, okay. I was wondering, like, what's with the dog? But yeah. Come on, Toto. Toto. I guess that explains the red shoes as well. Oh. Huh. Yeah, that's right. The ruby slippers. Yes, exactly. Do you know that was for the film? Yes, so they wanted to show off the the I mean, it was in the color. Red. Yes. So, like, silver slippers. No, but it's in color. Let's do ruby ones. Yeah. But, yeah, he... More fantastic lines. I like your style, hombre, but... 
And then Scorpius shows up again and holds a uh, PowerPoint presentation to explain what is actually happening. Yes. It's great. He's got props. They're on the light box that they use for x-rays. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a photo of a scarron. And he tells them, like, yeah, they're, you, you can't shoot them. They're too strong. And you're being interrogated. And he basically explains the, the, the plot to him. It's and like, that's why you're always so sweaty. You're so sweaty when you're in the proximity of a very hot scarron. And that's when I can't be here. I right. can only be here, says mental Scorpius, when the scarring is distracted and your body temperature drops. Ah, yes, I didn't quite get the temperature reference as well. Just, okay, but I mean, but I, under, I, I, yeah. I understand. I understood the the fact that he can only be when the scarring's attention is elsewhere. I didn't realize it was actually temperature related. I thought the temperature relation was just like because of whatever the scarring is doing to him. Right. Yes. Now he says it's a uh, it's an autonomous reaction to the, yes. the proximity of heat. And the reason that Scorpius is here is that this is a deliberate attempt. To drive you into insanity, and it's working. Your mind is about to crack, and I cannot allow that. I was here first. Your mind? I'm not going to let him pick your brain, because that's my job. Explain it to me. I want to hear it in, in, in your terms, what you got from this exposition. Okay, so he tells John that he has implanted him with some sort of mental microchip uh, yeah. that he is in order because his attempts in the Aurora chair to divine the information that he wanted didn't work yeah. and uh, basically he has he's monitoring he's like little ghost rider in uh, John's uh, brain oh, wow. watching him and uh, keeping an eye on him in the hopes of getting this information that he wants yeah with apparently some secondary protocols. Yep. Uh, a simple failsafe that prevented him from killing Scorpius yes. when he had the chance. Which we, yeah, why didn't he kill him? And we thought well, maybe he didn't have the heart. But it turns out that, yes, he was just being blocked by this, uh, this mental rider that he has. This is, okay, this makes me really respect that scene because Scorpius was not afraid of the acid, as we found out. No. Like he could, he could just flick his finger through it. He was never worried about it at all. He was only faking it. He is such a scientist because he was testing whether the failsafe was working as expected. Yes. Like he had an opportunity. Oh, I'm going to, I'm perfectly safe. I'm going to let him have an opportunity to kill me and then see if he won't. Ah, good. But my main function is to access the wormhole knowledge you have in your brain. No matter how long that takes. <laughs> You're Harvey. <laughs> or is it Clarence? Guardian Angel. Invisible Rabbit. Huh? Harvey. <laughs> Harvey. Okay, now we get probably what the most terrifying scene in the entire episode. <laughs> Oh, when he's yes. back in the chair, and we have at first Zahn wearing some very fancy rubber, I think it is, maybe yeah. vi vinyl rubber type thing. Chana also in a similar outfit. Oh, she's wearing Zahn's suit. She's got the uh, the big lapels oh, and the, and the, yes. and the whiskers. Huh. You look like you're ready to have some fun. We certainly are. <laughs> Aaron is wearing some sort of naughty nurse uniform and playing with very large specula, uh, speculum, speculi, specula, specula, it, uh, and other specular, uh, and, uh, speculum, <laughs> and other orifice-invading tools. I found new places to take your temperature. She yes. Says. <laughs> what are you doing? Nothing you won't like. Nothing you haven't already fantasized about. Admitted, you've had sexual thoughts about all of us, haven't you? But it gets turned up to eleven when. Rigel shows up in a gimp outfit. All of you bitches out now. Brighton is mine. 
Sparky. <laughs> oh, God. This is for calling me Sparky. Swacked him with some sort of uh, oh, cat like or nine tails or something like that. Crop or, yes. Wow. That was like, yes. How This must have been an exercise in how uncomfortable can we make this scene. Oh, yeah. Especially for Ben Browder, who <laughs> yeah. had to hold the camera himself. because there's no like, And it's a heavy-ass camera <laughs> with all of this happening at him and uh, right between his legs. Yes. Super wide-angle lens, oh, fantastic fisheye. Like, it is terrifying. Oh. And you can see how much it wears on, on Crichton. Like he, because he is starting to crack at this point. He walks out almost zombie-like as he's assaulted by an image of DK screaming, like super screaming, yeah, who blaming has, him. Who has just slit his wrists because the project's been cancelled. and It's spraying all over the place. Like, over the like camera, the, over everywhere. The Muppet yeah. Swedish chef making gazpacho. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, John he's, gets picked up and put in a, uh, a a baby trolley, I suppose. I don't know yeah, what the word is. Because he's in a mama ward yes. where he's being wheeled through a bizarre, like, heightened sort of sitcom scene of his mom and dad arguing about him. Yes, and dad's like, I wanted a dog, and why did we get a kid? It's like, you won't fetch my slippers. <laughs> he can't even land a module in one piece. Like uh, the, the disappointed parents' routine hammed up and turned to 11. Oh, wow. Until Dad tosses him, or I, I think maybe he jumps, it's not entirely clear, out the window, lands in the Olympic Park again, where now he's being arrested by Crace in pumps. And here we get those red slippers, yes. Those, yep, the, the ruby slippers that Tupu really struggled with. It's w- w- tough walking in high heels. If it's your first time, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, here we get that wonderful bit with, do you understand these rules, these, as I explained <laughs> right. it to them? No. You have the right to the remains of a signed attorney. If you cannot afford one, tough noogies. You can make one phone call. I recommend Trixie, nine seven six triple five. love Do you understand these rights as I have explained them to you? Well, do you, punk? No. But I can't arrest you. <laughs> like, he uh, just like almost has a mental breakdown at the fact that he can't arrest him because he doesn't understand his rights. Yes. Yep. Up at Fingerblast Cliffs, where uh, uh, Dargo invites John. And I notice that the pace keeps picking up. It's like the scenes get shorter. The whole mentalness of it all goes up and up and up. Dargo, like, camp up to the max. John, I really need to just unburden myself on you. What? Well, lately, I've been thinking about you in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Tells him that, like, ooh, they want to have a little, little excited bonding. little bonding. And Here's the thing, okay? What we need are some chains, uh, my quilter blade, just a little squirt of your oil, and... Oh! <laughs> oh, we, and we also need Chiana. She, she wants like- to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets even worse. Now he has a, a sort of an edible scene in, in Zan's uh, uh, psychiatry office. Yes. Is that his, his mom again? Yeah, with yeah. his mom. Yeah, that's a, 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 who, who praises him and she's got her nightgown on and comes very close to, to kissing him and he's, he's yeah. losing it. And here, and I mean, I was really feeling yesterday's, I was yeah. really feeling just last night and how much fun we had and how, oh, it's very early in the morning and, oh, now they're in a disco and it's really loud and everyone's yelling boogie or die. Boogie, oogie, woogie! <laughs> and it just goes on. Mm. Just ramps up and up and up until 
Aaron, Aaron shows up. Shows up. Actual, actual Aaron. Shoots the disco ball. After yelling, clear the dance floor, shoots the disco ball, and we get quiet. Mm. Blessed quiet. This is such a brilliant move because I was so relieved and so grateful that... Did you buy it? Because um, she says that I tracked you to this commerce planet. Searched half this world for you. And you were being kept in this sort of hollow sphere, and that was yes. the disco ball, and I, I, sh- I shot the projector. Right. I wasn't convinced. Let me put it like this. I accepted it as possibly being true. Yeah. But I wasn't convinced that it actually was, because it, I mean, it, it doesn't contradict what Scorpius told him. Yeah. You know, I mean, it could, like, we, we, we don't know anything about the way in which the Scarron is working him at this point. Yeah. Aaron says that it's Scorpius, in fact, that it would right. not be... And the, yes. It would not be weird for Scorpius to lie about something like no, that. No. If this was his interrogation. Not. Yes. But it breaks down very quickly, she, because she immediately starts uh, questioning him as well, uh, probing him for information. And the moment she does that... Who nabbed me? Scorpius. That's interesting. Why is it interesting, John? Uh, just that he, uh... Tell me. Later. No. Tell me now. He doesn't believe it's real anymore. No, you get nothing from me. Frelu, then. Stay. And she does this f***ed up tongue roll that yes. I don't know, like, it's like she's have swallowed a sea slug. Yeah. It's like belly dancing with her tongue, that's the best way I can describe it. Oh... Back to the noise on the dance floor. Where John goes through those atonic spasms yep. again. Is- again, his buddy in the ward. And finally, we get a cut to the real John, or at least the real situation that he is in. And yeah. we can see him basically standing upright, hands out, in some sort of force field, I presume. Brainwave patterns are increasingly irregular. Captive is finally weakening. Uh, yeah. As the Scarron is using his mental machine on him, and he's turning it up to nine, and then he's turning it up to ten, and then he's turning it up to eleven, until finally John collapses. We get some really cool close-ups of the Scarron. We see that his eyes glow red mm. very subtly. He has a very different kind of look than Cargan, yeah, who is much more like um, oh, what am I thinking of? Um, a Komodo dragon. Mm, but yes, this I see what one you mean. Is way more like the eye sockets are deeper did they make an entirely new creature for that or was it just a, a modification of the i don't know about the animatronics but the skin right. definitely looks yeah. like a, a different sculpt mm. hey listen to me mr mr uh, dave elsie i hope you're proud of me i'm really just sitting at the front and hoping that professor elsie pays attention to us <laughs> after turning it up to 11 and a few more spasms john suddenly collapses and the Scarron goes into like, oh, 1265, subject dies. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Taking the, the sort of mortician notes while John discreetly like unholsters his pulse blaster and uh, uh, sets it to beeping, sets it to ominous countdown. Yes, I believe it's the overload thing, which we saw in very early on in episode one, where he accidentally yes. blows up Aaron's uh, pulse rifle. It's not like I meant to. Damn thing malfunctioned or something. You overloaded the pulse chamber. Episode three, I think, thrown for a loss or four, that was. Uh, uh, yeah, four, uh, uh, where, yeah, he's never held one before, pushes the wrong button, and apparently he overloaded the pulse chamber, which he does in this case, luring the freshly sculpted Scarron over, who investigates a strange noise. Yes. Until Crichton can shove his hand grenade blaster into, into his, his mouth, yes, and the Scarron gets his mind blown. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. You've just named this episode. We don't have to do the name of the episode anymore. <laughs> okay. Mind blown. I was going to say turn it up to 11, but as a, as a suggestion for the episode title. But. Oh, 
I, it's not as good, though. No, true. Mind blown is probably a better one. I agree. And amid the ruins of falling bits of Scarron head, it's even really cool yes. that he's, he remains on standing fi- yes. for a bit. His neck is on fire. I guess it's the oil from the, uh, what's it called again? The, the Chakan oil. Chakan oil. Very good. Still, in, still flaming a little bit, and he slowly topples over. And while uh, John is sitting in a corner quietly trying to regain his composure, we, he has another Scorpius vision. Yeah, even outside of this mental space. Yes, I mean, he has been having those quite frequently in recent episodes. Well done, John. Yes, he has. Scorpius explains to him, my job is done, like, you're mine. I, uh, I got here first, and I can't have other people muscling in on my territory. And he goes, but I know that it's you now. I know about the chip. I'm going to get that chip out of my head. There's no chip in your head, John. And he struggles. You can see him trying to remember as his... You were saying... Mental chip. Mm. Slurring his words and unable to form it as, like, he's trying to access memories that this neural clone is now deleting from his brain, leaving him with no memory... No. ...of what happened. Uh, You were saying... What am I saying? And there's no... Meeting up with the rest of the crew, nope. there is nothing, there's just, like, end of episode. Like, the only character, the only, like, recurring character that actually appears here for real is John and no one else. Yes. He's never anywhere else, he's always in this one room. Poor John being, again, the mind fuck victim. Oh. <laughs> so, um... Yes, cheerful fun episode. Filled, <laughs> fun-filled Farscape episode. Episode, oh... Yeah, we're going to have to... No, we've got to do the regular things. Willies and Woodies. She gives me a Woody. She gives you the Willies. Okay, so my Willy probably goes to the entire episode. Right? (laughs) (laughs) But if I have to narrow it down, it's probably the scene with his mother in the bar. Yes, same. Yeah. No, we're absolutely (laughs) on the same page there. Like, his... Nothing made him suffer more than that. Like, the sheer cruelty of it. And I don't know what we're supposed to infer from this. No. Maybe did he... Does he feel guilt for abandoning his mother? Maybe he he, he or just wasn't yeah, just not being there. The Maybe he was at Iyasa, Isa. I've always Iyasa. So I always forgot. Yeah, I've already forgotten what it was again. It's all right. It's all right. Woody's though. Oh, that definitely goes to either Anthony Simcoe or Lani Tupu in their performance in this episode. They oh, were really? both fantastic. I, yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah, no, they were. I'd, I'd have to say Anthony Simcoe's uh, performance is like the, the yeah. camp out uh, guy. I mean, Lani Tupu was great as well. But, oh. but when the chains come off Anthony Simcoe, yes. he goes. He, he goes. just goes. <laughs> and I love how he gets c- up close with with Ben Browder, yes. and like into that how, space. How he completely, pl- yeah. How and how he goes back and forth between his Dargo personality and the whatever oh, camp yeah. j- uh, rocket jockey is I that have he is. No idea. I've got to say, Rigel. Rigel. Okay. Yeah. I Not even Gimp Rigel. No. That, that one. That one too. When he yeah, had, yeah. His, had his fun little S and M mask. But when the he director. was Logan, yes. the, the director, like. His performance was great. He had oh. real power and attitude yeah. there with a cigarette. And it, was, it was a shame that it was fake. That would have been such a great... Was, yes, yeah. exactly. It would have been such a great role for him. Like yes. If you imagine them actually returning to Earth, which I think you have predicted for season three, so let's see how you do with yeah. your Farscape fun bucks by the time. And uh, I like the, I like the fact that they put him on one of those uh, scootmobiles rather than, yeah. uh, than in his uh, hover chair. So that was, yeah, that was a really cool way of doing it. Yeah, even talking about, hey, it's not cool to make fun of someone's disability. Yes. (laughs) Wow. 
Yeah. Well, we started off feeling a little bit delicate and we're now absolutely drained because that's just what this episode does to you, man. It's so, so powerful. It is, and this is relentless, just another, yeah. It's another level of, of Farscape. It's never been this relentless. Even in Nerve, where it ends with him in the chair, at least that was a two-parter. Mm-hmm. And here he's just left with, he's learned nothing. No. Nope. Now we just... We know that there was a Scarron out there who apparently was interested in him, as you said, because I mean, because Scorpius is interested. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, that's we don't we, know. we don't really to... know that, but yeah. Oh. So. Well, we've already done the. You've named it mind blown. We don't have any other fun segments to no, do. No, there's nothing really we can uh, do. We have. Oof. Wait, yeah. no, that's not true. That's not true. We can do this. Hey. Yes, we do. We will do this. Okay, no, we have. What was your hey Kay? Yeah. What was, what was like a favorite bit that you thought was really funny in this episode? Oh, I mean that would have been the, definitely the car ride. I thought that was a great scene with uh, Scorpius on the bonnet and uh, the windshield. Oh, and actually, yes, very good. That, that was, was a moment of genuine levity. Well, let's go for a drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll run by you. Until he drove the car into an oncoming lorry. Okay, no, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's exactly what you said. It's like you get these really hilarious moments and then it immediately gets turned around on it again. Yeah. It's like when, when uh, Crace shows up as the cop, it's like it's a, it's a funny intermission and then he gets savagely beaten. Yeah. And it's like... <laughs> it's an incredible feat, a, a fantastic job that, uh, that Rowan Woods, the director, did because, yeah... He never fully leaned into the comedy. Yeah, it was the absurdity. Yeah, it was the, the bizarreness. Everyone had some fun with it, but always with the knowledge that this is a really tight story being told. It's not weirdness for the sake of weirdness. No. Like when you realize, as I did, that this is an interrogation technique, this ramping of, of the pressure really makes sense. Just Fantastic literally trying job. to crack him. Yeah. Yes. And that's the story so far, Escape. Yes. You can uh, listen to us next week with uh, episode 216, The Locket, in which time stands still. The Tin Man returns and a well-aged American uh, tries on an accent. Thank you for that one, uh, Gary B. That's a really good submission. You can find us at SoFarscape on Facebook and Twitter and on SoFarscape.com. And we have some handy links, so if you want to submit your own synopses for future episodes, Try and do it without mentioning any characters' names. Have some fun with it. That's sofarscape.com slash submit. And we have a new patron. Thank you, Guardian, for joining uh, the patronage, I suppose it is supposed to be called. And, of course, a big thank you to all of our existing patrons as well. And if you want to chip in, as so many wonderful people have to help us keep the lights on and keep our zany antics funded, that's sofarscape.com slash support. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. Sofarscape, so good. (laughs) 